powered by Virtual Stadium Technology, it's the NLC Podcast. Virtual Stadium Technology, you ask? Well, we'll get to that, but first things first, this is episode number 450. I am Andrew, Andrew in our forum, and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. My co-host for 150 shows and counting is Derek. He is Deep3 in our forum, and also on Twitter at Deep384 and Deep43G. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. Happy 150 episodes. 150 episodes as a team recording weekly you know in under three years i it's been a lot of fun no it's something i'm very proud of because you see a lot of podcasts and anybody can make a podcast which is both the the benefit and drawback of uh, podcasts in general and a lot of them if you get if you can get past 10 episodes you've had a, a pretty good run and for this show to be at 450 and you and i 150 uh, as a team yeah, I'm very proud of that effort. Yeah, and I want to thank our listeners and uh, the supporters of our NLSC content because they definitely help motivation-wise, you know, to have us keep this show going and whatnot, you know, between their comments on YouTube, uh, comments on Apple Podcasts, their reviews, uh, you know, when they interact with us on Twitter related to the show. Yeah, we, re- we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. And, and look... We are so passionate about the content we create that we are going to create it anyway, but, but knowing we have such a, a supportive audience does encourage us to, to keep going and just trying to be bigger and better all the time. But as you've said before, uh, yeah, we've, we've gained, both gained a friendship out of it, and that's really nice. Yeah, that's you know the best part, really. Uh, I did a little research around the number 150, Andrew, and uh, I centered it around steals and blocks. And I went back from... 84 85 all the way up until 2009 2010 to see who got exactly 150 steals in a season or 150 blocks so just some food for thought um dejounte murray in um last season so in 21 22 nba season had 138 steals and that actually led the league um the league leader in blocks was rudy gobert with 177 and second in the league was 138 so 150 steals all of these people that you hear that got 150 steals uh, you know during that time span would have led the league in today's nba with that number and the people that got 150 blocks uh, would have been second so terry porter had 150 steals for the blazers in 87 88 at that time it was only good for 13th in the league uh, Willie Anderson had 150 steals for the Spurs in 88-89. That was 16th in the NBA, which is wild because that would be the league leader today. Michael Williams had 150 steals for the Pacers in 90-91, which was 13th in the league. And this one, before I continue, I wanted you to comment on this because I just don't think kids understand how great some of the big men were back at the time, how all around they were on the defensive end. And these were also great offensive big men as well. People like, you know, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, et cetera. Hakeem Olajuwon had 150 steals in 92-93, which was 12th in the NBA. It would have led the league last year. And 342 blocks in the same season. Just, do kids get it? Do you know how ridiculous that is for a center to have those numbers? Well, what they say these days is that uh, steals and blocks uh, don't uh, don't indicate good defense. 
that, that, that they're somehow meaningless numbers. Because remember, numbers count until they're numbers you don't like, and then they then they don't. Right. Yeah, and that's true. But I just want people to think about that. Hakeem would have led the league in steals today with the, those numbers, and he would have almost doubled Rudy Gobert's blocks in that same season. And just to, for kids, just just to let you know, Elijah wants best steals single season steals were 213 and his best single season blocks were 376 that is absolutely ridiculous and people defense you want to talk about like those are not empty numbers you know Akeem Olajuwon obviously won the title in 1994 with the Rockets and 1995 had a ton of winning seasons and whatnot he was an amazing defender one of the best of all time uh, Kevin Garnett had exactly 150 blocks in 97-98 as a 21-year-old, which was 10th in the league. But that's young KG, Andrew. And you look at these players in video games over the years, whether they're retro players now or in their in their prime when they were uh, active in the league, and you see their overall rating, for example, and you see how high it is. And, and this is why, because they were just such great all-around players getting these numbers across the board. Uh, Hakeem, it's uh, it's incredible that he's not a 99 overall in a lot of games because he was uh, just an incredible player. I mean, he, he earned every single accolade you could pretty much except for Sixth Man of the Year because he wasn't a bench player and Rookie of the Year because of some guy called Michael Jordan, <laughs> basically. But yeah, just such a tremendous player. Uh, Hakeem is uh, is definitely up there in the, uh, the top 10 uh, discussions, I feel. Right. And he also had that success when he was younger and was also putting up incredible numbers even back then and, you know, helping lead the Rockets to the NBA finals in 1986 alongside Ralph Sampson. Of course. And um, Eldon Campbell had 150 blocks in 99-2000 with the Hornets, which was 11th in the NBA. Keon Clark had 150 blocks with the Kings in 02-03, which was 12th and i know you love keon clark particularly probably the raptors version i do i do yeah the uh and these are role players these are not all-stars getting these numbers right exactly there's a couple i mean there's kevin garnett there's akeem olajuwon and whatnot but you look at guys like you know michael williams and eldon campbell and keon clark and whatnot you know historically they would be talked about as role players um andre karolenko had 150 steals in 0304 uh, which was good for fifth in the league at the time. Jason Kidd had 150 steals in 05-06 with the Nets, which was fifth in the league. That's when he was playing alongside Vince Carter, Richard Jefferson, Kerstich, um, etc. Uh, Marcus Camby had 285 blocks in 07-08 with the Nuggets, which was 150 more than Andrew Bogut that same season. That's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. Marcus Camby, people, don't, people forget that some of his best years – were with the Nuggets. In fact, he won Defensive Player of the Year when he was with the Nuggets, when in his early 30s. And then the last one, Kendrick Perkins and Yao Ming both had 150 blocks in the 0809 season, tied and they were tied for sixth in the league. So there's some there's some uh, fun 150 uh, stories in the NBA. We talk about a lot of other numbers changing in the NBA, three point attempts, etc scoring numbers, efficiency, all the advanced stats. But yeah, just, just getting 150 steals, almost to a game if you play all 82 games. And those that got over 150, because you, again, you, as you said, those players that were getting 150 steals were ranked, what, 13th and 16th in the league some years. So the leaders were getting above that and, and averaging more than two blocks, more than two steals a game. Uh, and uh, Hakeem obviously doing both in a, in a season there. So it, it's just incredible. But uh, 
Kendrick Perkins, you bring up there, um, he had some interesting comments recently about his uh, overall rating. You know, I touched on overall ratings before of uh, his overall rating in 2K over the years. Uh, kind of confronted uh, Ronnie about it. He was on a ESPN show, Ronnie 2K was, with Kendrick Perkins. And uh, they were asking Ronnie 2K, which is funny because I don't think he has anything to do with the player ratings. Like, yeah, I, no, he's, I, he's, my he's... opinion is he has zero. But in the, on the show, on the show, they said, you know, what, 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 you know, you do the ratings. What was your reasoning for me, you know, for making these guys the ratings that they are? And then he tried to explain it, but he didn't actually explain it. Because I don't think he does it. No, he, uh, he, he's a face of the game. He's, he's a marketer. He, he, he's, he's, right. he is, as we've said before, a lightning rod for criticism. He becomes a bit of a punching bag for the community to take the heat off the game and the uh, developers and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that's uh, that's his role. He, he really, they really have made him the face of 2K, though. Oh, exactly, yeah. He really is. You know, everybody, when the people talk about ratings, they're always like, Ronnie, why did you do this? Ronnie, fix the servers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right, right. Fix the servers, Ronnie. Like, fix your game, Ronnie. Like, stuff like that. Like, he's become kind of the face of NBA 2K. He's kind of been pushed out there and whatnot. So that part is not inaccurate. But I know that I would bet that he doesn't work on, like, the player ratings. Oh, he doesn't. He's not, and, a, not a developer. But, he's not putting in the, the hard yards there, no. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, Kendrick Perkins was on this show, and um, he questioned why he was never higher than a 77 overall um and i know that you did some research um on kendrick perkins best season you went you know what looked at nba 2k10 and what did you find out so kendrick perkins is a 72 overall in that game so not even not even his highest in his best season but you also have to remember that over the years they have inflated overall ratings and you and i have have talked about how overall ratings have been inflated over the years to to mollify players to make them feel better about themselves because no one liked to be a 64 overall or, or whatever below 70 it's very rare to see these days unless of course you're a my player we'll uh, leave that discussion alone we've talked about that many times before but uh so kendrick perkins is 72 overall in 2k10 which represented his uh his best season in the nba that's uh, after the roster update so obviously making any necessary changes as they saw fit through the season the ratings updates in the rosters 72 overall he averaged uh, 10 points and just under eight rebounds uh, that year so let's just say 10 and eight close enough uh looked at some of the other players that were uh some of his peers that were averaging similar numbers or slightly better or slightly worse uh, Zodrunas Augustus, uh, 73 overall that year, but that was his worst season in the, in the NBA to date. So he was actually rated slightly higher than Perkins, despite being uh, being on the downswing of his career. And in fact, he was uh, his, his final year was the very next season uh, in 2011. I just want to point out really quick, even before you continue, Z brings more to the game than Kendrick Perkins. I agree. Z was a better passer. He was a more skilled post player. You got to make his offensive like. Like the his ability as an offensive player, I don't care about points per game, but you know the ability to hit hook shots, the ability to hit the mid range jumper, things that Kendrick Perkins was not good at. You gotta make Z better. You know what I mean? Like that's the and so there's certain aspects. I don't care if his numbers were lower that Z was just still better at. Oh yeah, than Kendrick Perkins. No, that is that is something that I think. Uh, certainly in unofficial roster updates we've always tried to take into account or the best rosters have anyway that numbers are important obviously because they determine in-game performance and simulated performance and so forth but a player's skills might be slightly higher as you said that he's got a, a more a more diverse array of post moves 
or is slightly more athletic or a better defender, has better awareness, better uh, basketball IQ. So sometimes the overall rating... Better passer. Right? Better, exactly. better passer, absolutely. Um, sometimes the overall rating does not indicate skill level, especially when there's only a couple of points in it. But to that point, John Sammons, uh, 71 overall that year, he was averaging 15.4 points per game, having a pretty solid season as a wing player there. I know it's a kind of apples and oranges because it's a different position, but again, rated lower than... Uh, Kendrick Perkins and was yet having a better season overall I would say uh, Tyson Chandler had slightly lower numbers in about six minutes less per game five or six minutes less per game averaging six and six he was 70 overall but uh, again a better player and more athletic than Kendrick Perkins should have been a bit higher conversely Rasheed Wallace his teammate that year 75 overall on the downswing of his career uh, again though his skill level and basketball IQ is higher so you can understand why the overall tends to be a little bit higher in that respect. But but yes, it was actually one of his uh, worst seasons in the league because he was at the end of his career there. Uh, Emeka Rokafor, uh, 10 and 10 that year, uh, 79 overall, maybe a little bit too high. But again, you look at the uh, the athletic ratings and so forth, and DeMar DeRozan, 64 overall as a rookie that year, 20 minutes per game, pretty solid numbers for not really playing that much in his rookie year, but 64 is a bit insulting. But that's how it was back in the day, very low. Well, the Okafor piece is more him being on the Hornets, I would say. Um, probably needed, they wanted to have him be a little bit higher overall on that team because they weren't as stacked as the Celtics. So they wanted to give the team a few better players, maybe so they, you know, perform a little bit better on the court. I'm not saying that Hornets team was terrible, but they weren't the Celtics that year. Of course, and that, that all plays into it as well, the, the whole balancing act, the whole perception, getting getting the overall rating to meet what uh, fans and gamers expect a player to be, their, their ranking and their rating in the league. And again, overall ratings, are their, their importance is overblown to some extent. They do have a purpose in games as far as trade value in the franchise modes and, and, and at, a, at a glance showing how good a player is. And if an overall rating looks really wrong, chances are players a player is overrated or underrated in some key areas. But people do place so much emphasis on that. It's obviously obviously become a big talking point. I've I've stopped covering it for the NLSC. When we do our preview season coverage, I used to post a lot of those screenshots, etc., and and other overall ratings reveals. I don't cover that anymore because I don't think it's interesting. I, I think and I don't I don't think it's uh, it's worth doing because quite often they change during the course of a season anyway. Too many politics involved too mm. yeah. um, today when it comes to the ratings. You know, at the same time, I've never looked at Kendrick Perkins as 80 overall and above. He's never had the impact to be that. In fact, if you notice, what happened was is when he actually did go to the Thunder, um, he was in a different system than the Celtic system. He had a good year or two there, but then his career started to you know go downhill. The moment you ask Kendrick Perkins to do more than just be an enforcer, he can't do it. You know what I mean? Like the way you look at Kendrick Perkins is he was a good paint defender. He struggled actually covering the pick and roll. He struggled in single coverage and whatnot, um, you know, on the perimeter if he had to switch out onto a smaller player. But he was a paint enforcer who could, you know, he, he who was a good rebounder, not great rebounder, and who had to be just a drop down guy to finish. You weren't posting up Perkins and getting, you know, you know, him putting somebody in the torture chamber you know what i mean no, because he just no. didn't have moves down low or no consistent 
go-to every now and then he could put a little half hook in and whatnot but 90 percent, i would say probably of kendrick perkins points was somebody penetrating like when it was the celtics it would be like rondo pierce or ray allen or whatnot and they would get in the seams and they would drop it down once coverage converged on them and perkins would just catch it and he would go up and he would dunk it so it's really hard for me to justify a player who was so limited on offense and just an enforcer on defense to be above 80 overall. So my opinion is 77, that's pretty high. <laughs> I don't know if I would have made him that high in a video game. And you said in NBA 2K10, he was 72. But for his skill set and what he was able to bring, he was a good role player on those Celtics teams. But I would never, ever consider putting Kendrick Perkins at an 80. I agree. I think back in the day, it used to be that the consensus was kind of 80 and above is borderline all-star or better, which he wasn't. So you can go back and argue that maybe some of those overall ratings were a bit low, and now it's gone too far in the other direction, and they're too high for some role players. But yeah, generally speaking, 77, uh, based on the usual ranges for overall ratings, I think is, is very fair. And, and you know, the narrative about Kendrick Perkins back in the day was that his injury cost the Celtics the, the 2010 title. Um, I'm guessing you don't buy that? I don't know. I, I think that one player who plays big minutes, who everybody has good chemistry with on the team, can make that big of a difference, even if they're not like a top three guy sure. on the team. Um, I think that uh, it, a lot of it depends on who your backup is and who can fill in for you and how comfortable everybody is with that player. Um, it is very possible that Kendrick Perkins plays and it does make a difference. People got to realize something. People got to realize that the Celtics were up by 15. I want to say in game seven of the um, 2010 NBA finals and they blew it. Right. They lost that game. Um, a lot of factors, yeah. A, a lot of factors. Could Kendrick Perkins have been the one that, you know, put him over the hump and had them not blow that lead that they had and whatnot? I don't know. It's possible. But I do think that what he brought to the Celtics was that paint presence, that, you know, being a force, an enforcer on defense and whatnot. And he was good at getting easy baskets. So I don't know. Well, it's more than he brings as a commentator, anyway. Oh yeah, as a commentator, I can't stand him. But uh, carry on. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, me-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are the NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball, and on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. But uh, shout out to Kid Cash for bringing that to our attention. Uh, always uh, interesting to touch on overall ratings, Derek, because even though there is that controversy there and, and their importance can be overblown, it's still a, a relevant part of, of basketball gaming. It, it's, a, it's a topic that you can't really escape when it comes to uh, the virtual hardwood. 
Yeah, no. Yeah, Kid Cash actually asked us to discuss this on the show. Um, and, I, I, you know, I think that's a good idea. You know, community, if you have anything that you would like us to touch on on the show, definitely, uh, you know, throw that out there and, you know, we'll try to bring it on. And, you know, with, with overall ratings, Derek, they, they, were, they were in the games for a long time. Basically, they, they were hidden in the early NBA Live games, uh, I know, because they're there in the database and the, the roster data in the executable, etc., but they were often hidden, and, and some might say that that was a, a better way of doing it. Of course, it's hard to do with, uh, with franchise modes. You need to have a, a visible representation of a, a player's value. But there's something special about those old games where it's hidden and you're not worrying about uh, all that kind of nonsense. As you and I well know, having revisited NBA Live 96 and NBA Live 99 PC recently, and uh, we talked about Live 99 last week, uh, we played that again, but also a game of Live 96, and uh, yeah, what a fun session. I mean... Let's be honest. Live 96 and Live 99 still bring it. They do. And I don't know if kids understand today that it's not all about the graphics. We weren't even thinking much about the graphics back in the day when we were playing these games. It was about the experience overall. It was about the fun factor, right? And when we're play when we played NBA Live 96 and Live 99 back in the day, the games had that fun factor. They were fast. Um, they had really cool looking dunks, right? They had, you know, you could make real basketball plays and whatnot. Um, you can get the board and get out and run all of that stuff. You can make blocks right at the rim. Like remember we had a block, um, in our, I want to say it was live 96 game where we stuffed it like right at the rim and it felt great um you know you can get steals like you can in the now games and whatnot and fly down the court like it was about the experience it was about it was about the fun and those feelings that we had back then and i think you would agree we had them this morning and last night with revisiting those titles i mean we were having an absolute blast for sure and we've said it so many times that graphics obviously you need to bring it with graphics that impress these days this was a problem with nba live in the past generation that it looked a bit uh, mired between the seventh and eighth generations on the eighth generation games that was a problem for sure but back in the day when those graphics were cutting edge you know that they were really cool and it, it it went beyond the graphical limitations because as you said the the on-court experience was so fun but even so i, I still want to give props to the graphics in those games and i mentioned virtual stadium technology at the beginning of the show and you see that logo in Live 96 through to, I want to say 98, possibly 99, definitely 98, that they have virtual stadium technology. Now, virtual stadium technology, I always thought it was some kind of engine, like Ecomotion in 2K14 or uh, the Ignite engine in, in NBA Live 14 onwards, or you know, people talk about the Unreal engine and Frostbite and so on. And when I was talking to Rod Redekop about the early days of NBA Live, I, I asked about virtual stadium technology, and he said... It wasn't really uh, an engine in that way. It was really just a promotional tactic for how good the game looked and the way they were, they were modeling the 3D stadium. But even so, as a marketing gimmick, what they were doing with the tech at the time, Derek, was so impressive. You know, when you when we fight up Live 96 PC and it's got that aerial shot of the court and just rotating around and it's uh, looking like it's real 3D and it, it wasn't a 3D effects game yet. That didn't come till NBA Live 98 with the Voodoo graphics and the Voodoo revolution for uh, PC video cards. But... Man, that game 
it, it, there's such an immersive aspect to the atmosphere of that game and the presentation and the graphics for the time. Uh, really, really awesome. Yeah, it's great. And I talked to you in the chat after we got done playing NBA Live 99. And I actually, you know, after I had posted some footage and whatnot, and I said to you, I said, I got to tell you, this game still is super appealing to the eye. And like I told you, it's like the colors, right? Like it's it's the colors, everything pops um it's you know just the way the floor looks and you know overall how the players move uh and whatnot and the the rim physics and the in the 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 rim and basketball stanchion in general and everything like i still enjoy looking at nba live 99 right like we didn't and when i say we didn't think about graphics um as much back in the day like we were focused more on modes you know what we could do with the game and how fun it was there's definitely more of a focus on graphics today there is than there used to be like i've said it on previous episodes when we saw nba fast break 98 for the first time it blew our minds we were like this looks like real life it didn't obviously (laughs) but we were like this looks like real life so we did care about the graphics but for the time it was just more about right right but it was just more about the experience and um nba live 96 is no slouch either like you stated the rotate you know when you enter a game and it's rotating the court and you can see the jumbotron and you can see the floor and whatnot and then it rotates to get to the tip off and everything it still looks great like it's very appealing to look at and then you just want to like run around with the players on the floor because you're like i'm in it now so on nba live 99 we played a champs roster mod um, created by Lutz. Uh, so it's an NLSC mod and whatnot. And we use the 82-83 76ers versus the 81-82 Lakers. And it felt like you were really using those teams. And it was super fun for us to get out there with Andrew Tony knocking down mid-range shots, hitting a couple threes here and there, uh, you know, throwing it down with Julius Irving, um, getting Moses in the post and making moves with him and whatnot. And Bobby Jones playing both ends of the court like he would in real life. We were getting blocks on one end with him. He was rebounding the ball. He was getting out on the break and throwing it down. And, and people, if, if you have any question about how athletic Bobby Jones was, go back and look at his dunk on Larry Bird where he absolutely goes way over the top of him and posterizes him on the fast break. It's one of the best dunks in NBA history. So we played against the Lakers, like I said, in 81, 82, and they had Norm Nixon and Magic Johnson, and people forget that Magic Johnson wasn't even playing point guard at that time. He was playing shooting guard when he first came into the league because Norm Nixon was playing point guard. Um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jamal Wilkes, etc. cetera. And um, the first game we actually lost – to the PC uh, magic Johnson hit a three on a lucky bounce to win them the game. And in the second game, we ended up blowing them out. We did the same matchup again and we're like, we're not going to let this happen. And we ended up blowing them out. But those two games, I got lost in them. Like I got lost in time and that's what you want, right? Like we were, you know, trying to figure the computer out, we were trying to play, t- you know, with good chemistry and whatnot. We were trying to run plays. We were both trying to get out on the break. And I thought it was a really fun session and a really good win in that last game. It really was. And of course, Parsec worked like a dream, as it always does. And 
you talk about the the more primitive graphics of the time and how we didn't mind because it was about the on-court experience and we, we trusted that the the graphics would get better and better over time of course it was the same with mods as well because that mod released at a time when there was everyone was on dial-up so you couldn't really upload and download huge mods like you can these days you had to put out separate packs and multi-part downloads to uh, if you wanted to do stuff like that but even so we, we kind of relied a lot on created players in those rosters and Lutz put so much effort into making those players look as real as possible for using the somewhat limited for the time uh, created player faces and so forth. And I think he did such a tremendous job of that. And you don't mind that the Sixers are wearing their jerseys from the 99 season rather than the authentic uh, red jerseys of the time. Uh, The fact that they they don't have the real faces that they are as good as you can get with the created player uh, functionality. You know, you don't mind that because it the the ratings were done so well, the gameplay holds up so well that, as you said, we just get lost in it. And of course, you know, I, I don't think we mentioned it last week, but but Don Poyer, the late great Don Poyer, what a fantastic announcer he was! It, it was just so exciting to play, and uh, and yeah, we we had to have that rematch when, when we lost on that uh, on the luck on the uh, lucky bounce or unlucky from our perspective uh, bounce on the uh, Magic Johnson three. Uh, you said yeah, we got we got to play again, and I, and I agreed. Like we, there have been times you and I have been playing on Parsec. And we've had a loss uh, uh, like that that's just been unlucky. And uh, it may be late in the morning for one of us, but we say, we can't end like that. We, we've got to end on a win. Yeah, no, absolutely. I also want to point out that I, um, during one of the games, I paused it and I messaged Andrew and I said, Don Poyer is just getting me pumped up right now. Mm. And he was just so excited during his commentary during one of our runs that we had he's talking about julius irving flying to the rim and whatnot and going boom baby and whatnot and it was just perfect i think you would agree and he just gets you so pumped up and he want me he makes you want to make moves and make great plays on the game um so yeah, it, no, it was a really good session. You don't really look at like some of the little inaccuracies in those older games for those older mods because you understand the limitations that they had when they were making them, right? So um, I think Lutz did an amazing job with those champs rosters and with the all-time teams rosters. So on NBA Live 96, Andrew and I used the 91-92 Celtics as we've said on the show before, one of my favorite teams of all time, it's, you know, Larry Bird's last season. We have Kevin McHale coming off the bench. We have Robert Parrish, Kevin Gamble, Reggie Lewis, Rick Fox, etc. Just, I love that team. Sherman Douglas, John Bagley, love them. So we used that team and we went against the 90-91 Warriors. And this is Tim Hardaway, you know, Chris Mullen, Alton Lister, Tyron Hill, and Mitch Richmond. So two good teams, two fun teams. And Andrew and I um, had a little bit of a rough start getting used to playing the computer after playing NBA Live 99, um, ended up settling in and beating the computer, I want to say, by seven in that game. But what a show Tim Hardaway put on. I I posted these highlights on Twitter and just some of the passes that he was making. He had 13 assists in the game and, you know, behind the back passes, no look passes drop down passes and whatnot he made Alton Lister look like Sean Kemp yeah (laughs) in that game it was just phenomenal and it makes you understand why we had so much fun with those games back then because that stuff was still cool and impressive now 
like the way everything, everything that he did, the way it looked and all that stuff, he took over the game from a passing standpoint on NBA Live 96. I thought it was cool as hell. So before I get into that, I, I reached out to you uh, some hours before that, uh, before you turned in for the uh, the night. You were working on the, the top 10 at the time, and, and what, a, what a great top 10 we had this week. Uh, a spectacular top 10, some would say, um, if, if one was to use a lot of corny Halloween puns in their news post about it. I reached out to you and said, I've got, uh, would you like to play a game of 96 PC with a uh, work in progress uh, roster? And, and I'm just uh, curious, what was your thought when you got that message from me uh, teasing a, a modding project like that? Well, I mean, you said it was Live 96, so I wanted to play it immediately. Of course. See, the last time that you and I played NBA Live 96 over Parsec, again, you hosted, um, and uh, we had an absolute blast remember we won that game and um i hit that last second three with larry bird it wasn't a game winner but it was like a heavily guarded three and it actually ended up making it into the top 10 as well um for that week so the only thing i could think about was i want to finish this top 10 as fast as i possibly can and obviously make it the highest of qualities i possibly can but finish it as fast as i can so i can jump on nba live 96 with you fortunately we were able to jump on this morning and actually play that work in in progress mod and you know the game that i was just discussing and i love it like and i think you probably got motivated by the champs roster that I was did. in nba live yeah. 99 that we were playing and that's a great thing about modding right is you can get ideas from other people and then you know implement that in a different game or in a different way and whatnot so i think that's a great project and i think we'll have a lot of games with it I'm looking forward to, to doing more work on it. Uh, it's always fun to do some retro modding, just like retro gaming. Live 96 rosters, Live 96 PC rosters come together fairly quickly because you only have about oh, 20 ratings or so per player. There, there's less, uh, you don't need to even sculpt faces because there's a lot of pre made heads that you can just select in, the, uh, in Tim and Lutz's editor. So it, it can come together fairly quickly. I mean, there's still a fair amount of work to do on that roster, but I've put together, I think, about uh, six or seven maybe eight teams at the moment uh, at least and uh yeah I, I i wanted to i was originally gonna do an 80s celtics team but everyone kind of does the 80s celtics and i do an, at the i do have an 88 lakers team in there at the moment but i, I thought you know what i know Derek loves the 92 uh, celtics so i started creating them and that's when i reached out to you and uh, and sent you the screenshot uh i i figured you'd be intrigued by that well i also want to point something out this game that andrew and i played was not short of highlights. I already mentioned Tim Hardaway, but how about that three that I hit with D Brown from about 25, 30 feet? I was going to say. And it bounced way up high off of, I want to say it was the back of the rim and it fell in the hoop. That's something I, I said it on the last show. That's something that doesn't even happen in like NBA 2K23. You don't get those bounces. They don't exist in the new game. So it's really cool to go back and have that experience with a game that came out in 1995 that game came out 27 years ago yeah right and you know and it has that experience and then there was also a play where um we passed it in and pushed it up the floor and i want to say it was uh d brown you know drove the lane and reggie lewis was cutting in from the opposite side of the floor and it was an alley-oop and it was obviously the slow motion dunks were on and reggie lewis with his head at about rim level crammed it in on two warriors and it looked amazing so that's another amazing highlight from that game um 
I thought you and I had some pretty cool Celtics basketball plays where we did give and goes, um, good ball movement plays and whatnot. But that game was definitely not short of really cool and fun highlights. Of course, we had a couple of lowlights as well. Very, very amusing lowlights with uh, uh, Rick Fox. Rick Fox came in and he was the, the spark plug off the bench that really helped us win it in the fourth quarter there. But he also had a very ugly uh, blown dunk where he just uh, stuffed it right into the front of the rim. And uh, So did Parrish. Parrish, Parrish, ruined, uh, yeah. Parrish ruined an amazing play that we had. That was great. And I, I, yeah, again, I wish we were mic'd up for it because I was, oh, you got to be joking me. It's, 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 <laughs> this is ridiculous. Wide open. And we had fatigue off as well, so I didn't expect to be missing too many dunks. But uh, it, w- it was still a, a blast to play. There's another thing that I put together very quickly, another roster I put together very quickly that I, I'm telling you about for the first time, Derek here, that uh, it's, I've called it the Jersey roster for Live 96 PC, where I've taken all the players and put them on their teams that are, are just, that are represented by the jersey they're wearing in their portraits. And it has made some crazy-looking lineups. I'd love to play with that sometime. And I love those fantasy scenarios. I've actually never heard of a roster like that. So that is interesting. I don't know what type of demand there is for something like that, especially for NBA Live 96. But you and I certainly could enjoy it. Like, we would have fun with, do it, with, with using that. So, no, I think that's, um, that's definitely an interesting approach to, like, a new roster and whatnot. Um, I also wanted to point out that Parsec, we've talked about it a lot. we talked about how great Parsec is and how it's opened up a whole new gaming world for us, um, for retro gaming. How great was it to have me host NBA Live 99 and for it to work so amazing for you that you were able to do spin moves, crossovers with Irving and throw it down in traffic, spin moves with Moses Malone in the post and throw it down, time your shots and everything. And then, you know, to switch it up and have you host NBA Live 96, me be the client and me to be able to play and have a great experience and be able to control, you know, my own destiny while I'm playing and whatnot and be able to really contribute to a win. I just can't say enough about how great Parsec is. And for any of our listeners and whatnot, if you haven't tried it yet and you know, you have even an average PC and whatnot and an average or below average internet connection, um, please get on Parsec because it's amazing. Yeah. If if you're not convinced by all the fun we've had and all the the videos that, uh, that you've been putting up there, Derek, I I don't know what will convince people, but uh, we've had a lot of you've connected with a lot of people in the community so far and everyone i think has said how much fun it's it's been and it's it's a different experience it avoids the the toxicity of the online scene it avoids some of the repetitive play that can come with the uh, more curated experiences look i've had a, a lot of fun with my team in uh, various games and ultimate team in live uh, i'm a, a franchise gamer from way back and love playing through seasons multiple seasons in 2k14 my career as i've talked about before on so many occasions and that's great. I love the, the curated experiences that, that deliver that content or the, the structure of the NBA season. But one of the things I've loved doing uh, with you, with Parsec, is creating these, these weird f- uh, fantasy scenarios, or not even necessarily weird, but retro scenarios where it makeshift retro teams or the uh, virtual hardwood legends or something like this jersey roster that I uh, put together. You know, there's a lot of fun to be had with just exhibition games with a really fun scenario. And, and that's something that I, I missed out on when I was so focused on, on grinding, not to get into that, all of that again. But when you're focusing on, on that or the curated experiences, uh, and as fun as that can be, 
just putting together some kind of uh, wacky out there scenario or a retro matchup like that, just a once off and uh, and having a, a, a fun uh, co-op or uh, competitive session with a friend over Parsec. I, I mean, that that's the essence of, of basketball gaming at its core. The most fun you can have on the virtual hardwood, something like that. Two things. One, how fun did how much fun did we have with NBA Live Ten with the fantasy teams matchups that we put together? Oh, that, that kept us you know, going we did, a long time. We kept a lot of that kept us going for months. Yeah, yeah, we were doing video game legends matchups from you know our own video game legends from the past and whatnot. You know, Hashim to beat. Um, you know, Kirk Heinrich, Troy Murphy, Jumping Joe Alexander. Um, you know, Raja Bell, Trump's Outlaw. You know, those guys. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, we filled up two teams with yeah. video game legends. It was excellent. Um, we did, you know, makeshift classic teams using that fantasy um, team mode and whatnot. Um, we did, uh, we did so many different things with NBA Live Ten, and every single game was fun. It was a blast, and we got to get on NBA Live Ten again soon. I was, I was, um, I was going to say we still have ideas. We, there's still retro teams and such we haven't used yet. We, we've still got uh, made a ins- list. inspiration there. Yeah, about seventy strong at least. Yeah. Yeah, you, you've made like uh, a pretty big list, and, and there's definitely more teams that we could use. Um, number two, I, I want to point out something that I pointed out in the last show, and maybe you agree, maybe you don't. I'm going to say it again. I'm not sure that I enjoy NBA Live 2000 more than NBA Live 99. Hmm. I just, I'm playing NBA Live 99. And there's something a little bit freer about the gameplay. Um, I'm not going to say that it's better. I think maybe we should connect on NBA Live 2000 and play a few games and whatnot yeah, in the yeah. same capacity. Um, but I'm just really enjoying NBA Live 99 right now. I, and I am um, too, yeah. I, just I, the gameplay is so fun. Yeah, no, I know. I want to make the, that comparison because I, I, I have I hold Live 2000 in the uh, in the highest esteem. It, it is a, a landmark release, as I've said before. Uh, great gameplay, great features, the debut of Legends officially in the NBA Live series and franchise mode, etc. And and uh, again, yeah, the, the gameplay does hold up even today. But I'd like to do some more comparisons between 99 and 2000 because if nothing else, it's a lot closer than people might think. 99, as we said last week, is an overlooked game. It holds its own against 2000, at the very least. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not even talking about anything other than gameplay right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just talking about between the lines how it feels. Also, I want to point something out, too, about, you know, you talk about seasons and franchise mode and, you know, progression and everything. There's actually something really underrated about quick five-minute quarter games or six-minute quarter yep. games, um, especially in those fantasy scenarios. But even if you're just using teams that are stock in the game and whatnot, a quick co-op experience, a quick head-to-head experience. You can still have a lot of fun with that. You don't have to commit a ton of time to it, and they make for great highlight reels, right? And it's great as content creators to share that with the community. Those recent games that Andrew and I had on NBA Live 99 and Live 96, a couple of them are already up on the NLSE YouTube. I made some highlight videos out of them, and you can get, you know go to the NLSE YouTube to check those out. Those quick games are underrated. They really are. Now, I'm so glad that you got me back into that experience because, again, I've, I've fallen down that rabbit hole of uh, grinding for a player every year or getting into my team and, uh, and, and getting the uh, squad together. can be a lot of fun at its, at its best, of course. But I think you've 
remain more connected to that idea with you and your brothers when you play and when you do play through a season obviously you play with the team of legends which is a fantasy scenario whereas i've always uh, played with a real nba team most most of the time in, in franchise modes so you you've kept that approach that a lot of us did growing up in the 90s with games you, you've kept that approach of keeping it fresh and having those once-off exhibitions in in this game or that game and changing up the game you're playing and uh no it's really inspired me over the past year plus to to do the same thing and to dip into my collection more often and you know i played some 2k6 on xbox 360 last night sent you a couple of highlights i, I knew you'd like that clyde drexler highlight but um dipping into the into the collection uh revisiting games and giving them a second look and now that i'm uh, more open to the 2k style enjoying those games a lot more but but yeah just those once-off games and, and changing it up and and uh making full use of the collection uh, i think is is such a, an important part of of basketball gaming to keep it fresh and, and i mean it's a very simple concept is it not if you're not having fun with a game try something else 100 percent. and i think people get lost in that grind right or feel like they have to it's, it's addictive to do it. it's addictive yeah. to have fun it's addicting right um there, so these are the preferred methods of play for my brothers and i um and this is throughout the years and we've been doing legend season since legends were in video games so just keep that in mind um it's either a legend season so that's like put us putting legends on the same team and jumping into a season or a franchise or my league or my NBA or whatever it is for that given year in that game. Um, classic teams, like, you know, like my classic teams roster for 2K17, you know, like the UBR for 2K14, the URB for 2K13, et cetera, you know, using real teams from the past and throwing them all in a season. And, you know, my, my brothers and I all controlling one team on the same team or all of us having our own teams and just being our opponents every game. So that's the other one. Fantasy draft, which includes all the greatest players of all time and the current players in, in a season and or fantasy draft with just the current NBA for that game. So those are like all the different methods that we, you know, have used in order to, um, you know, keep things fresh and whatnot. And we're always playing seasons together. You know, we do enjoy the progression piece, but when it comes to connecting with you, when it comes to connecting with people on discord where we don't have time to finish a season, right? We may not have time to, you know, really get into it and do a my league or anything like that. Um, these quick games and, you know, with you, these quick fantasy matchups and everything, they are an absolute blast and I wouldn't give them up. Definitely. And look, I'd love to set up a season with you of some kind, or maybe a playoffs in, a, in an old game. I mean, that's playoffs mode, I think, is also very underrated in those old games. At least, maybe it's just my uh, uh, myopic uh, approach to those old games. But I used to love playing through a season and getting all the results of a full year and then going to the playoffs. And look, that, that is tremendous. That, that is a blast, too. But I think there's something to be said for just setting up a, a playoff bracket and, and playing through and getting that championship in uh, in shorter time. I mean, we could fire up a live 95 PC, for example, and uh, take on the underdog Rockets from the sixth seed and uh, replicate their historic run from the sixth seed to the championship that year uh, and playing through the playoffs. And that would be much shorter than playing a, a full season. Looking back, that's that's what my cousin and I should have done. Uh, well, I won't trade those memories for anything and uh, playing through the seasons we did, not finishing that season and uh, and getting through to the championship I've always been a little bit disappointed about that. I wish we could have done that. It would have been really special. But we were trying to play a full season on 12-minute quarters in the school holidays. We were seeing each other for two weeks at a time every 10 weeks uh, you know, to catch up and do that. It was a bit tough, and maybe we'd simulated a bit more or, or, or whatever. But, I, I mean, that, that was even though we didn't finish the season, 
uh, it, it, although it's a regret uh, in that respect, it was still one of my most uh, memorable basketball gaming experiences. So it's not, uh, uh, I don't hate it, don't regret it in that respect, but it would have been nice to have that uh, sense of completion. But that's where playoff mode comes in. And I think, that's, I think playoffs and exhibition games are kind of underrated. Yeah, let's, let's brainstorm that off air. We'll brainstorm what game we maybe could do like a playoffs on or something like that, and we can share that footage with the community. I mean, things like the, you know, being able to upload to YouTube, um, that's exciting, right? We get to yep. share those highlights with people. Um, you know, things like the, the top 10, you and I will say it when we're having a session, we'll be like, that's top 10. Like that spin move that I had with Moses and dunked it on two people and got a basket and file on Live 99, that might be top 10. And that drive where you went the length of the court with Julius Irving and you did a spin move and then you did a crossover and then you threw it down two-handed on a couple defenders and you got the bass, the, the, the dunk and a foul, that was probably top 10. So like being able to share that with the community and stuff is definitely motivating. And I think about that when great plays happen. Like I'm going to – like I said, like I got to share this with everybody because it's too cool and whatnot and I want people to see it. Um, and, you know – I think that the top 10 has definitely helped with our gaming experiences as well because we're always looking for that next great highlight. We are, and of course, that the, the big three by D, by, 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 by both you and in-game D, uh, that the, the bounced in Live 96. Again, the rim physics before we were even talking about physics in basketball games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that was really cool, right? You get that lucky bounce, right? You get the one that goes off the front of the rim, then the back of the rim, and then it drops in those high bounces um i always thought it was cool in games where you could get a bounce where it would go like off the top of the backboard and then like fall forward into the hoop stuff like that um yeah i mean it's impressive that nba live 96 at times has more realistic uh, you know rim physics than like nba 2k23 and i know that sounds silly to say but again think about how how um much differentiation there is when it comes to how the rim interacts with the ball in the newest game. And then think about what I was just talking about with that D Brown three and the scenarios I brought up, you know, about rim physics before. So yeah, great sessions on NBA live 96 and live 99. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be another great end of the year with Parsec like it was last year. I'd like to get back on the road trip with you on Jam on Fire edition. I'd like to visit some of the other NBA 2Ks as well. I'd like to get you on NBA 2K8 for a game mm. and whatnot. So, yeah, people look out for that footage. So uh, what you're saying is that uh, our Live 07 season is just going to be lit. So our Live 07 season will not exist. <laughs> but uh, every now and then, every now and then, we may revisit it just for, you know, for the great mustachio like you like to call him for for Adam Morrison, we'll revisit it. and We'll throw him on the floor or something. Maybe next time we'll use him because remember we played against him last time and he actually did some damage. Yeah. No, to we, us. we need uh, to, maybe uh, we'll use him next time. We need to harness the power of the, uh, the great mustachio for sure. And, and I want to put this out there uh, just to one final thought on these sessions. You know, th there's a lot of people that say uh, competitive online play is, is where it's at. It's, it's where the real game is play, etc. I mean, there's all kinds of gatekeeping in the, in gaming communities that that's nothing new but the sing single player experiences i will i will advocate for them a franchise a single player franchise single player in my career uh they can be uh so much fun i've had so many great memories with those playing uh, uh playing solo over the years but playing against the cpu in general in a, in a co-op situation 
is a blast as well because we were just making all those plays and getting that chemistry together and and again we're not mic'd up we're just knowing each other's style and reading each other's uh, movement etc and just making uh, a great cut and just getting the pass at the right time and finishing with a, a, a emphatic dunk and, and everything you know again that, that's what it's all about Derek that, that's uh just playing virtual basketball and, and getting pumped up during that fourth quarter as we were making our run and, and Rick Fox making a couple of great plays there and then every time you drained a three with, with, with Dee Brown or with Larry Bird and, and just uh, pushing out that lead even further and, uh, and knowing how unforgiving the CPU can be in, uh, in NBA Live 96, it gave itself some generous calls. I just want to put that out there. It, would have been, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as close as it was if they weren't giving themselves some very generous uh, foul calls there. But it's all part of the challenge that we that you have to rise to, and it's just so satisfying. I, I'm not I'm not going to say that online competitive play can't be fun. I've had a lot of fun doing that. Also, had a lot of frustrating sessions doing that. But but don't sleep on playing against the CPU, whether it's solo or, or certainly with a friend or, or two. Or you know, th- there's a reason they brought in that uh, online co-op in uh, against the CPU in my team this year. It can be an absolute blast. Uh, yeah, and, and it continues to be fun for us, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. How underrated is co-op mm. working towards that common goal? Uh, my brothers and I have played thousands upon thousands upon thousands of hours of co-op in our lives. Um, it's just, even on NBA 2K23, my brother Nick and I were now 33 games into a season playing all 12-minute quarters, um, playing co-op every game against the computer. It doesn't get old it's fun having those shared experiences it's fun battling together and i know you get that feeling when we're playing it's like we're battling together and um you know overcoming obstacles and whatnot and you know pulling ahead and and whatnot it's just super exciting and i recommend it to anybody who hasn't tried it i also want to point out really quick before we move on to the mailbag you can say what you want about you know online competitive play is where it's at but i'm sorry but the online competitive scene just looks so frustrating most of the time um and the game mechanics get in the way and make it not true competition most of the time and uh, you know i love the fact that you're playing with your buddies nlsc thrill Hope. and i really enjoyed the footage that you posted by the way to the nlsc youtube but that just does not look interesting to me now that's you with friends playing against other humans and whatnot but it's just not for me and i think part of it's just the game mechanics and whatnot um i watched your nba 2k 17 footage with your buddies and remember i told you i thought that looked pretty fun right and that's because of the way the players move Mm. right you're not super sluggish in nba 2k 17 you're not you know moving awkwardly as often you're not having like these weird herky jerky movements that you get with like NBA 2K23. Um, like, I, it's just not, for me, it's just not a scene I, do, I, I think I could get into because I just think that the online scene in NBA 2K23 is, it just doesn't look that fun. No. And that's just my opinion. And, and even in previous games, I was playing, obviously, single player, my career on the side to grind up a player, but also for my, as much as I was enjoying the, uh, 2K17, my career experience, uh, off the offline part of it, the the single, solo part of it, and, and I think it is important to have that, those other experiences, and to be able to play a couple of different modes at least, or not just be so reliant on the online scene because you you are relying on quality that can vary from game to game, and when you are playing against the CPU or playing against uh, playing against a friend, 
then you kind of have that consistency of the experience and the and the sportsmanship, of course. Uh, well, sometimes the CPU isn't very sporting, just put it out there, but it, it kind of has to. <laughs> it's part of the challenge that it isn't always playing fair. Um, but yeah, you have that consistency of the experience. You know that a, a game can deliver uh, a pretty good time each and every time playing against a CPU or playing it uh, against uh, a friend um, like our, our good friends Nate and Roger do in 2001 and other games from that vintage and see how much fun they have and the, the great highlights that they produce. That uh, that consistency is very important. That's unfortunately not there in the online scene. There are some things that 2K could be doing to make that better, but even so, it does come down to people having the right attitude online uh, which uh, is a bit of a tall order at times, but fortunately we have all these games to revisit, and uh, we're we're not going to stop anytime soon. And as you say, Derek, we have huge collections, so you know I'll throw it out to our listeners. Let us know which games you'd like to see us play, and we'll uh, dip into the collection and uh, share the footage with you. One hundred percent. We'd love to hear from you. But hey, speaking of interacting with our listeners, Derek, it is time to open up the mailbag. To the mailman, the pump face. So I put the question out there to the community. I said, Andrew and I are recording our 150th NLSC podcast episode as a team this weekend, and it has us reminiscing. What NLSC content is your favorite? Also, what have been your favorite NLSC podcast topics? And I said, thank you, as always, for your support. Um, And actually, before we get into that, Andrew, I wanted to thank uh, Basketball Game Her. Um, who actually left us a very nice review on Apple Podcasts. Um, he stated, the, and this was on 1016 of this year, he stated, the best basketball video game podcast. You can just hear the pure passion for the game of basketball, and the hosts are very knowledgeable, enthusiastic about the history uh, and future of virtual basketball games. If you enjoy sports games and commentary, this is it. Plus, the NLSC website has amazing reviews and tools for modding your retro or current hoop games on PC. Their website is absolutely worth checking out. And um, I don't know who this person is on the forums. I haven't seen that name before. Um, I haven't seen a person with that handle comment on Twitter or on YouTube or anything like that. But I want to thank that person for those incredibly kind comments and, you know, for supporting our content. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's that's a, a very... Nice review there on Apple Podcasts, uh, not just for the podcast, but the the site as well. And it, it's always very heartwarming to uh, to hear that. You know, I'll, I'll admit to it myself. You don't always take the time out of your day to uh, to thank a content creator for their work and, and say, "Hey, I enjoy your stuff." Uh, so it's always very heartwarming to hear, and I really appreciate a review like that uh, for for the podcast and and the site as well. Yeah, um, a lot of good things going on still at the on the forums. Just to let people know, you know, between NBA Two K Twenty Three mods, um, the you know discussion around that game and whatnot, you know, the the mods for NBA Two K Fourteen, you know, Sticky Fingers has been work, working on stuff for NBA Two K Sixteen. The classic teams rosters for NBA Two K Nineteen are still being worked on, um, and there's there's just so much awesome modding activity. And discussion still going on on the NLSC forum, so I recommend checking that out. Also, shout out to Pep for his 2K14 jerseys. Uh, uh, incredible. How long has he been doing that now? Decade, I mean, decade, he's been at, least, at yeah. it. He's got to be, yeah, a decade plus at this point. And everybody that has a roster mod wants to work with Pep. His mods are such high quality and whatnot and such great attention to detail. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling he's a lifer on the forum. 
And he's also made some of those textures uh, and, and other assets from his jerseys available to people who want to convert them for 2K11 and other old games. So again, such a great attitude as well. And we love to see that in our modern community. Right. Um, and before we get to the answers to um, speaking of content, uh, if you haven't already, go on the NLSC YouTube and check out this week's NLSC Top 10 Plays of the Week. Um, I put a, de- a Halloween spin on it when I was creating it, and we definitely got some great highlight submissions, including a ridiculous dunk from NBA 2K23 um, by Dominique Wilkins, um, submitted by Hookup Guy, who is an excellent modder in our community. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, get on the um, YouTube and check it out. So first up, we have our friend One Kidney Kenny. Still Dirt 33, of course. You two are fantastic. I'm honored to have been a guest a couple of times myself. Obviously, those were the best episodes ever. I mean, you know, that goes without saying, obviously, still though. But um, no, that was great having uh, Kenny on the uh, on the show and, uh, and and talking about the 2K19 rosters and, and all the joking around, the, the banter between you guys because you've got the season going in 2K19 and uh, another fantastic mother, of course. And uh, no, we, we appreciate the support and uh, you coming on the show. Hey, basketball gaming can bring people together, too. Like, him and I have actually forged a friendship now, uh, and we have that NBA 2K19 season and whatnot. But, yeah, him and I talk on the phone. Um, we talk about different things in our lives and everything. Um, yeah, he's, he's ended up being a really good friend. So um, shout out to Ken. And, uh, yeah, it was great having you on the show. Next up, we have Philly I'm 2002 at Philly I'm 2K on Twitter. Of course, grinning those uh, draft classes. Uh, I just like that the podcast gives me the feeling of belonging to this community, the participation here and seeing two guys having fun with basketball games like me. Also, I'm not your age, so it's interesting to hear about older games you have fun with. And congratulations. And thank you for the congratulations. That's interesting as well, that we can share our impressions with uh, younger basketball gamers of games they didn't grow up with. And, and I love hearing about the interest that younger gamers have about that era. Um, I mean, not to get right into it and, and put a negative spin on this, but I mean, we've talked about it before that sometimes the... Uh, people downplay nostalgia or say oh it's just nostalgia nothing was actually good are you just remembering it incorrectly and and that goes for basketball and basketball video games but i always love the uh the younger generation showing that appreciation for what came before it's it's what we tried to do when we were their age that makes me feel very old to say but uh, no i i really appreciate you uh you saying that because uh, we do try to uh, uh to be informative about these these topics and and to always talk with passion of course about them as well yeah that's part of the fun of doing this podcast right yeah um it's it's it is sort of the education piece as well and um the information piece uh it's the talking about games maybe you weren't around to play when they were new um maybe games that you don't own um you know games where you didn't see the hype around them or how they were being talked about at the time the mindset of people that were around you know when those games were new or when they were upcoming and what people were looking forward to and whatnot. So yeah, I think that's part of the fun of not only doing, you know, doing the podcast, but also creating content for the YouTube, right? Because maybe he hasn't seen NBA live 96 PC. Now, if he goes on our YouTube and whatnot, he can watch that gameplay video and see what we're, you know, what all the fuss was about. Definitely. Right. Same thing with NBA Live 99. Same thing when I uploaded NBA Inside Drive. There was a couple people who were like, I never got to play this game or I've never seen footage of this game, etc. And or I had never even heard of this game. Like there's people that, you know, were able to look at that game and, and say, hey, you know what? I want to pick that up. You know, I want to learn more about this and whatnot. So that's a big draw to content creation for both of us 
I would say is, um, you know, between your articles, you know, my gameplay videos, our shared gameplay videos, the top 10, all of that stuff, because there's a lot of variety in the top 10. Um, it's kind of showcasing these games, you know, and, you know, talking about what they're all about. And in an era where there's a lot of shut up old head and, and whatnot, and we do try to be as, as informative as possible each and every time we talk about these games and, and cover them in depth and, uh, and, share, uh, and share knowledge and passion for them. So no, I really appreciate that, and it's flattering to, uh, to get a compliment like that about, about our content. 100%. Next up, we have God of Sonder. Uh, that's awesome. Congrats. Thank you. Uh, I enjoy pretty much everything you two talk about. The insight is great, as well as the shared passion for basketball games. And uh, again, really nice to hear that. And, and I always hope that's the case, Derek, that our passion comes across. Um, and, and clearly it does from some of these uh, nice things our wonderful listeners are saying. But but that is the essence of content creation. You know, I, I, we've said it so many times before. We don't like to to chase trends or, or do things uh, or, or do things that we don't have any interest in, just in hopes that it's going to going to trend or uh, or catch fire. We want to do things our way. We want to put that passion into it. We want to. Uh, involve ourselves with something that we do actually uh, really care about and can be passionate about and uh, that's coming through uh, makes me feel good because it means we're succeeding in that goal yeah Uh, you can't fake it for 150 episodes straight no my friends um so no uh i've been you know obsessed with basketball gaming as we talked about since the double dribble days and and you since the the mid 90s and whatnot and it never gets old and and you know i've never made a cent off of you know, this podcast or off of content that I've uploaded to the NLSC or anything like that. So um, I'm obviously doing it from a point of passion, right? I'm doing it from a point of interest, from a point of love and whatnot. And I love basketball gaming and I love connecting with the community. And I've never played basketball games or uploaded content or created content um, for the sake of trying to make a penny, right? Or just trying to get clout or anything like that. I just love sharing the experiences with these games and knowledge about these games. And we're pretty drama-free, which is sometimes the kiss of death in online content creation, but uh, I prefer it that way. I I prefer us to stay drama-free and uh, just be about the games. Right. I'd I'd rather have... If it meant that I had to force drama and fake drama or cause drama or anything like that in order to get more subscribers or followers or anything like that, um, I would rather have less because the population that is following us would be following us, you know, for the wrong reasons, right? If it was all about the drama, um, we don't want people to, you know, follow us for toxicity no, we, or drama or anything like no. that. We like, we, we like um, having it be real. No, you, so. you, you get the audience that you cultivate and we don't want to cultivate that kind of audience. That's not, uh, those, those, those aren't our values and they're not the values of our audience. And uh, no, we, we just love basketball games and love sharing that with everybody. So that's, uh, that's right. really awesome. And finally this week, we have Game Face Inc. Congratulations. I really enjoy any topics on the retro games. Thank you. And of course, we love talking about them. And I want to go back to the top 10 here, Derek. You know, if we just did top 10 plays from 2K23 every week, I think that would get some views. People would probably like it. You, you do such a great job with the top 10. I know you could make it work. But I think the why the top 10 has been as successful and resonated as it has, you have invited clips from all basketball games, past and present. So everybody is welcome. You don't have to be playing the latest game. You can be playing what you enjoy and making great memories and highlights in games that you enjoy. And that's, that's all we ask for, for the top 10. And, and that's why we get such great submissions. And I love that approach. And I, I know that, our, that our, uh, our audience does as well. Uh, I think that's what kind of makes it unique, right? 
like that. I don't think there's a top 10 out there that encompasses the entire history of a genre, like in video games, like basketball, like this, um, you know, this basketball highlight top 10. And I think that, you know, there's no bias with it. You know, we have NBA live in there. We have NBA 2K in there inside drive. We've had shootout in there. You know, we've had an in the zone, um, We've had NBA Jam, NBA Street. Um, I could go down the list. Um, it doesn't matter what company makes the game. A great highlight is a great highlight um, and whatnot. And, you know, we've had Dunk Dream even in the top 10. And I even had a long distance three from Double Dribble in the top 10. I think it was close to a half court heave that I did when I played against you and you were missing all those dunks <laughs> with the Bulls yeah. and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, the retro content is amazing. And what I find super underrated still is just retro gaming and retro discussion around gaming in general. Because it's so limiting, limiting yourself to one game, right? Limiting yourself to the newest game. And then when the new, uh, the, uh, the new game comes out like a year later, now you're dropping that other game that you were playing all year. And now you've just moved on to a new grind, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you're only playing that game. So, um, I think retro gaming is super underrated because it gives you so many different experiences, so many different gaming options and whatnot. And it really keeps things fresh. So retro gaming for us will never go anywhere. We'll always be doing it. And it is filling a gap with no live on the market with 2k having such a monopoly. You know, even if live was still around expanding as we did back in 2011, officially to cover all basketball games when we rebranded from the NBA Live Series Center to uh, just the NLSC. I mean, we were the NLSC for years before that, but we just, just go by the initials because we uh, want to uh, show that we <laughs> that it's all about all basketball gaming, not just NBA Live. Even if NBA Live was still around and strong, which would be preferable, uh, we would still be covering all these games past and present because it does make it so interesting, so much more interesting to to cover all those games and to revisit old favorites and, and give games a second look. And, uh, and I love that we do that on the podcast, Derek, because, look, new, it's important to cover the news, and we will always do that, but sometimes there is no news, some, or there's nothing particularly interesting with the latest game, nothing uh, uh, particularly newsworthy. So why not revisit a favorite and go in-depth on a retrospective of that game? Now, I, I love what we're doing, and uh, yeah, I'm just looking forward to doing more podcasts with you and uh, continuing to do that and revisiting games that we are having such a, a great time with, but also finding other uh, hidden gems and, and classics as well. I, I think there's going to be so much more fun moving forward with the with the podcast, the articles, uh, your videos, the top 10, the Parsec sessions. No, it, it's, it's just a... Uh, even if we're not happy with everything that's going on with 2K23, that doesn't matter because we have so much more content to create about basketball games. And again, uh, we have that passion and we always hope that passion comes through. Yeah, you know, here's to another 150 more episodes. Indeed. Right, you know, and I think that this podcast is going strong and we're not going to stop it anytime soon. It's, you know, it's fun to get on the mic with you every single weekend. And, you know, despite you living on the other side of the world, we've always been able to make it work. You know, whether it's me sitting out in my car to record, uh, whether it's you losing a little bit of sleep to record, um, etc. like we make it work i think we have a lot of commitment to the nlsc and to the content you know continuing to be fresh and consistent and whatnot that um yeah i I don't see this going anywhere anytime soon and thank you again to everybody who tunes in each and every week and has left these very uh, nice reviews on uh 
on Apple Podcasts, and of course, you can read us on Spotify and other platforms as well. But the, the kind comments on YouTube, on the articles, on social media, uh, we really appreciate it, and we appreciate the interaction with you as well. And, and as Derek said, uh, we're not going anywhere. There's going to be much more fun to come. Yeah, thank you to all of our listeners, all of our supporters. Um, like I said, you definitely motivate us and, you know, you help us with content as well. You know, you give us topics sometimes to discuss on the show. Um, you, um, you know, submit highlights for the top 10 plays of the week. You know, you connect with me on Parsec, many of you, and, you know, we'll have a session and that gives us, you know, gameplay videos that we can upload to the site. Um, you make a big impact and, um, I want you to know that. So thank you. So that has brought us to the end of this week's show. As always, we thank you for tuning in. We invite you to join us again next week, either on the NLSC, mv-live.com, our YouTube channel, or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, please connect with us on social media. That's where you can get in touch with us, as well as stay up to date with all of our content. So Derek, let's go ahead and plug those handles. Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter at D for 384 or at D for 3G. I'm also on YouTube, D for 3, and on the NLSC, D for 3. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on Twitter. The NLSC is on Twitter and Facebook at the NLSC. Our Instagram is NLSC Basketball. We're on YouTube at youtube.com slash NBA Live Series Center. And of course, keep it locked to the NLSC itself, nb-live.com, for everything we do for basketball video games. So, thank you once again for tuning in. And until next time, I'm Andrew. And I'm Derek. Go get buckets, everyone. <laughs>